When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you're on Instagram or Twitter, Twitter, follow my show at Strict Anonymous. I never promoted my uh, social media stuff because I was never doing anything on there. And I've been doing my show for six years. I should have way over 10,000 followers. I should have like 30,000. And I don't because I've never, I just started this shit. So can you please go on to Instagram and uh, what is it called? Subscribe? No. <laughs> Make me your friend? What the fuck is it called on Instagram? I forgot. Oh, follow. Follow me there or follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you are if you haven't subscribed to my show on your podcast app, subscribe to my show. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, go to the top of this right now and hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to my channel. Like and share my videos. If you can, write a great review for my show or just at least give me five stars. That takes like one second. That kind of stuff really helps the show. It always, I mean, besides having tons of downloads like having good reviews it just like bumps you up to the top of the charts my show is always really up there but i want to go even up higher so fucking give me a five-star review or write if you have more time write something else out really nice about my show you know something that you actually really feel you don't have to fake it <laughs> if you don't like my show turn it off move along don't write a bad review or whatever i don't even care but anyway um what else if you want to be on my show this is a show. It's called Strictly Anonymous. I added the word confessions because most people come. I wanted to do a call and advice show, honestly, because I love helping people with their problems and like analyzing things and picking things apart and telling people what to do. Um, and you can't do that as a real therapist. As a real therapist, you just got to listen to people. I'm like super opinionated and I like to tell people what to do. <laughs> so that's why I wanted a call and advice show. But it turned into this because uh, I, I made people anonymous from day one. And what turns out uh, people call in the most about is uh, people are calling in to talk about their secret lives, their naughty lives, their private lives while remaining anonymous. That's what we do here. I also help people with their problems. So if you have a problem and your friends don't fucking want to hear it anymore, or you have no friends or you have a secret life that you think would be 
interesting to my audience or a secret life that you want to talk about because you've never talked to anyone else about it, come on my show. You remain anonymous to me and all my listeners. I change everybody's voices. Go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. Send me an email. Um, I also have a Patreon page. Uh, I have a couple bunch of different tiers there. You can go check it out. Patreon.com slash Strictly Anonymous podcast. There's a $3 tier if you want to just support my show because you fucking love it and you want to throw me a couple bucks every month. It's like chump change, $3. You st- I'll still get to give you something for that. Besides my show, you get these episodes early, earlier than everybody else. You get them Friday at noon. Everybody else gets them uh, Sunday at 8.30. You also get a monthly Q&A where I ask any question. I answer questions that people ask me, mostly about me people ask me a lot of questions about myself I'm a lot more open on there about myself uh so if you want to join that tier do that I also have the highest tier I have is a $60 a month tier and that's where you get to talk to me it's kind of like what I do on my show but people who want to talk to me but don't want me to air their episodes sign up for that you could also do that through PayPal with me separately if you don't want to join Patreon if you want to do a one-time thing if you want to do more than a one-time thing a month you could also email me at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Tell me you want to sign up for that and talk to me on the down low without me airing it, without me taping it. Uh, you still remain anonymous if you do it through Patreon because I don't see like your credit card information if, or you could do it on PayPal. I'm sure you could make up a fake PayPal email, right? I don't know. <laughs> but you could do it with through PayPal with me. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. There's other tiers, especially a pantyhose tier in there. If you're a hoser, that's what I call my pantyhose, guys. If you're a hoser and you want additional pantyhose uh, content, you could sign up for that $7 a month. So that's that, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. Today I have a guy named Jordan Powers. He's not anonymous. I didn't change his voice. Uh, he's a guy that has an, epi- uh, an episode, <laughs> a podcast. He's doing what people do and what I should do, which is, you know, go on other people's podcasts to get the word out on his podcast, right? I've had a bunch of people on um, as guests. Uh, who are doing that. So he came on to uh, advertise or talk about his new podcast called Unmentionable. Um, But it turns out that Jordan Powers has a very interesting life. And that's what, of course, what we talked mostly about, right? In the beginning, we talk about his podcast that he has now. He had another podcast before this one that was super successful that's still up that you could listen to as well. Uh, we talk about the fact that he's also a comedian. He's wrote a couple books. Uh, he's super cool. He's super interesting. He's hot. If you're a guy and you're into guys, if you're into guy and guy action, Jordan Power is very good looking. So check him out on Instagram. J Power Comedy, I think it is. Um, I'll give all his links and everything in the description, but you could see what uh, Jordan looks like on Instagram. Like I said, he's uh, he's really good looking. So if you're gay or even secretly gay, check him out, follow him there, maybe buy his books, listen to his podcast. But first, uh, listen to him here because on my show, I dig deep. I get into all the dirt and he's had a super interesting life. He's young, right? He's not old, but he's done a lot and he's seen a lot and he's been through a lot. And we talk all about it. His dad was living a secret life. Like his dad was straight up somebody who would have called my show because he was living a secret life as a gay man. He was seeing guys behind his mother's back and Jordan was the one who found out. We talk about that. We talk about what he did. We talk about how it disrupted the 
whole family. We talk about all his, when he came out, when he realized he was gay. We talk about other salacial, salacious, <laughs> I'm so fucking dumb, salacious stories. Like, I mean, I don't know. This guy listed it all out when he emailed me. I mean, he had chlamydia twice he's been to hollywood orgies he his therapist sent him nudes he got he fucked his boss once this is like these are all the things he sort of touched upon in the email and i was like i'm gonna dig deep on all that stuff so i get all those stories and then some a lot of other things as well he's a great storyteller because he's a comedian he's funny and like I said, he's hot. If you want to see him, you can put a face to a, a, a story this time where normally you can't, right? Because everyone's anonymous, but he's not. It's Jordan Power. Check out his podcasts. But before you do that, like I said, unmentionable. That's what it's called. Uh, listen here. I'll be right back on with Jordan. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Uh, hey, Jordan Power. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today, Jordan? I'm good. I'm confused. I'm not anonymous. No, I, I, you're I'm not. Myself. I know. You're not anonymous. I've had a couple non-anonymous people, right? Like a couple of friends that I have in the city who maybe are artists or they do something noteworthy, right? I've also had other people like you who have podcasts and are networking and, you know, brand, like looking to, I don't know, what would you say, up your audience? It's very smart to do, right? I still haven't it's done it, and I way. should. Yeah, it's what you. It's great, right? So you have your own podcast. Um, so, of course, yeah, we're not going to make you anonymous. Called... Anonymous. Shame yeah. on you, right? I like that title. So that one's done. That, that one's done? done? I have a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast now called Unmentionable, uh, which is every Friday on YouTube and all players. Um, wait, so Unmentionable. So you stopped at, uh, Shame on You. How come you stopped that one? Can you tell me? Uh, because I got tired of interviewing men I had sex with, frankly. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Was that what the, the basis of it? Like, you would talk to guys you used to have sex with? We we would just interview. We, we started initially interviewing our friends, and then coincidentally we realized that we'd already had sex with them, and so it was kind of like a gay <laughs> version of that podcast, Guys We Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it took off. I mean, we, we were downloaded uh, just in a year alone. We were downloaded over a million times. We were selling out shows. Oh, um, right. Maybe that's why there was a and, big focus of that on the pitch to me because, you know, that was what you were known for at the time, right? Like it was a big, it was a bigger show because it. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, and I mean, the, it, listen, it wasn't just a free for all. There was a whole premise behind it. The premise was essentially to eliminate the residual shame we had uh, left over from being gay mm-hmm. uh, for us. Yeah, and so the that's idea great. is like your whole, yeah, your whole life you're sort of encouraged as a gay person to just stay reticent. And so our thought process was, why don't we just do the reverse of that and just put it all out there? And then it resonated with not just gay people. I mean, we had tons of straight listeners because it was just wild. I mean, we would go out on dates. We would like, you know, we would literally recap every carnal moment that we had. It, it was fun. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, sad that you stopped it. But people could go listen to that, right? It's still out on... That's the great thing about podcasts, right? They live forever. So those episodes are still there and they're probably not timely, right? Like they could... Someone could listen to those if they wanted to. Yeah, but there's only 10 episodes up. I, mm-hmm. I'm a smart cookie, so I paywalled the other 90 hours. And so it's a nice little passive income stream now. So if you... You'll see them up there on Patreon. Yeah. Or sorry, on Shame On You are up. But then if you go on patreon.com slash shame on you pod, yeah. you can get all the the juice. It's kind of a nice little tease, right, for people? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, episodes. yeah. I have to do more of that because I have a Patreon too. But yeah, that's actually really great. So now, Unmentionable, what is that one about? 
Um, I'm always been, I mean, kind of similar to you. I'm, I'm always interested in, uh, I, I call it the seedy underbelly of society. So uh-huh. the things that aren't <laughs> talked about, mm-hmm. um, by people, um, and the shame associated with that. So, so the reason I did this podcast was my whole life, I've just been that kid that just says everything. And then people say, you can't say that. And I always kind of ask why. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to the people that you don't hear from and sort of figure out why you don't hear from them and why every these things are taboo, why billions of people have sex, but they won't talk about it. And so that's been the foundation of the podcast is just kind of an unrestrained chatter. But also, I mean, I've had on I just started uh, on this new show, but I had on a uh, first episode was a straight guy that does gay porn. So um, that's interesting. That mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had on strippers. I had on a girl last week that uh, she makes nine ninety nine a month on OnlyFans burping. Mm. Oh my god, I love that shit. So this is the new me. economy right now. Yeah. This is this is what's left <laughs> for burping. Burping. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. She's made thousands of dollars burping. So and then I'm I'm having on a woman next week. Uh, I don't know when this airs, but her name's uh, Corona Newton, mm-hmm. and she's been tormented. By people because they think that she's the virus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this. This is so, the kind of stuff I would want to listen to, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's what people need right now, right? A little frivolity and mix it up. So, yeah, listen, uh, my audience is like right on target for you, right? Because the people that find my show are the same kind of people that would be interested in the stuff that you're talking about. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm just having fun. I mean, I do, I do get serious and I do mix it up because my, my main interests are, you know, money systems, the economy, the environmental collapse. So I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up kind of on a whim and not really warn people, but, um, I just want to do comedy. I just want to have fun. I mean, I just, yeah, you're I a comedian like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a comedian. So, um, I just, I just like fun. I like on PC humor. I like to just let it rip and uh, I don't really worry about getting canceled or any of that nonsense. Now, do if people want to find your comedy, like could they find you on YouTube? Do you have a YouTube channel or, you know, how do they see that? Do you want to pitch that as well or promote that? Yes. So it's unmentionable uh, podcast on YouTube. We have an unmentionable clips uh, channel and then I'm at J power comedy on Instagram. I post little clips from the show, just kind of the best of hits and, um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, your audience knows, but it's just, it's one of those podcasts where, um, I just put the disclaimers out. I'm like, you know, we, we try to wean out the, the easily offended because we really don't have any restraint on there. Right. As far as your content, right. And you weed it out. Cause if someone's listening, they're just not going to fucking listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. How long I, you been I doing it for? So I did the old show for 16 months mm-hmm. um, and then uh, finished that. Actually, and then I released my book this summer called Famous Anus. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. What's in the title, eh? Um, exactly. Famous Anus. You heard that right. A-N-U-S. Where could people buy that? Is that off of your website or off of Amazon? That's on Amazon. Uh, and that is a 10-year decade of my life. Um, it, it's absolutely wild book. Uh, I hook up with my boss in one chapter. Um, yeah, these are the kind of advice. stories I want to hear about, you know, and you have another book coming out. And I'm like, is that title like, th- does that mean because it's called My Therapist Sent Me Nudes. And I'm like, did your, did his therapist send him nudes? Because that's the other thing I'd want to talk to you about for sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll just finish on Famous Anus. So Famous Anus yeah, is uh, at, 
a 10-year decade of my life. Uh-huh. Uh, I break up with my boyfriend. I go insane. I check into a mental hospital. And then uh, I sort of go on this journey of trying to find love and, uh, you know, but I don't have any of the tools. And so it's just sort of a self-destruction. Uh, one after another, I get chlamydia twice in four days. Um, it's just really a ridiculous, nonsensical book. But um, I think it also has a lot of heart to it. You'll, you'll notice by the end, I'm, I'm really growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my new book is uh, coming out next year. It's called My Therapist Sent Me Nudes. And that is uh, based on a true story. I had a therapist who uh, uh, sent me nude photos on Grinder at 2 a.m. and an Uber to his house. Oh, my um, fucking God. Did you go? No, no, God, no. I mean, okay. first of all, he was uh, he was quite older, but um, I, I wrote back to him and I said, uh, after he sent me it, I wrote back to him, I said, is this seriously happening? Like, is this really going on right now? And he said, I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, he, that's what and, he said. Uh, I re- yeah, I remember there was parts during our sessions that I just sort of blocked out of my head. I thought, oh, well, that's not weird. And he's asking me about using masturbation as an anxiety coping mechanism. And I remember he just went a little too deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could always tell something a little inappropriate. I remember having one where he kept like going back to this weird question, like, do you like it really rough when you have sex? Like, I mean, you know, I was like, why the fuck is this guy pushing this? You know what I mean? It's obviously he's trying to just get some scoop. You know, he's it's like jerk off material for him. Yeah, yeah. So I talked about it on, I told a story on my podcast on Shame on You a while back. And uh, within four days, I received eight emails all naming the person. And I never had used his name on the podcast. Oh, because the same thing happened to him, to them, yeah. with that same guy. How the is he still in business? That's crazy. Well, he's actually dead now. I just found out two weeks ago that he died of cancer. Uh, someone had sent me the link, one of the listeners. But... um. Yeah, I mean, I've always had a theory, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's sort of like, I think a large percentage of therapists get into the business because they're just trying to figure out their own demons. Oh, to 100%. I had a a roommate who was in and out of mental hospitals, and now she's a social worker. I mean, she's the most mental person I know. (laughs) I I mean, seriously. And that's what she went to school for, and she's helping people. She was seriously in mental hospitals. I mean, this girl would break down in fetus position for nothing, no reason. You know, she really couldn't handle life, but she's helping people. So, yeah, I do believe that. I mean, I know that that's that's a a very true statement, and that's a scary thing. I'm a big pusher of therapy. I love therapy, but I always say, like, you know, finding the right therapist may take a while, right? I mean, some people get lucky and find a therapist the first person they meet, but most of the time it's it's not going to be right the first go around. You got to go through a couple before you find, quote unquote, the one. Yeah. I, I And I also think it's sort of like comedy in that the upper echelon of comedy is really good. Like, you know, that top 5% and then the 95%. But that's everything. very mediocre. That's everything. Yeah, that's yeah, hairdressers, right, right. that's yeah. uh, lawyers, that's uh, doctors, that's uh, podcasters, that's everything. And 95%. I say 90% garbage, 10% good. I always will find the 10% best of best of whatever I need, right? But the rest is garbage. And it's it's I think it's true across the board. So 
you can find a great therapist. It just may take you a couple times. For me, it took me five times, you know, and I would just, to me, it's like dating and finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever you're looking for. It's like, you know, you got to go, you got to, you'll know when you meet the one right away, right? And you'll know yeah, when you'll it's know, not yeah, the one. Yeah, you'll know quickly. Yeah, you'll, yeah, know, you'll right know right away. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to go on those dates with therapists before you find that person. But let's get back to you and your crazy stories, right? I'm hoping you'll share yeah. some of them. I know they're on the book and people can find out a lot more, but you're going to have to give some up on this call, right? So, absolutely. you know, there's like a lot of stuff. Now, how old are you now? You sound super young to me. You're in your 20s, right? No, I'm 34. Oh, you're 34. Okay. But when did you, like, let's just get a little backstory on you as far as like, you know, you're gay, right? Now, when did you know that you were gay and how did you come out and all that stuff? Let's go there first. So I, um, I was a unique, uh, when I talk to most of my gay friends, they, they sort of say, oh, I knew when I was a kid, you know, the signs yeah, were there, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. I have a weird situation with mine. I sort of felt like I always had girlfriends when I was younger, really liked them. I remember I used to get really heartbroken when we would break up. And then sometime around like, I don't know, 15 or so, um, you know, when I say girlfriends, by the way, I mean like 13, 14 isn't like, yeah, you know, they're not real girlfriends, but yeah. I remember. We don't start dating stuff girls. then. Yeah, for sure. You're making out yeah. with people and shit, right? I don't know. I was having if, sex if, at 15. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool, too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline, 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too, so you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Damn, girl. I know. And I'm 50, so that was a real whore back then. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> nowadays it's normal, you know, back then. Uh-uh. Wait, so. No, the kids don't even have sex nowadays. They're all in their eyes and they're all here. It, I mean, they showed this this thing about Generation Z. Yeah. And they're they're the lowest generation sex because I think they're all brainwashed from social media and Adderall and SSRIs and, you know. Right, so they're, they're just it, jerking off? Opinion. Yeah, or they're just, they don't know how to forge intimacy, right? Because they grew up on a screen. So they're just kind of, yeah. I don't know if you've ever met these like TikTok or YouTube people in person, but they're no. they are like robots. They're not even real people. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a cultural phenomenon. But anyway, so, so when, I, when I sort of uh, was, I had that and then I started fooling around with classmates and then uh, and then I sort of was in this position where I thought I was bisexual for a while and then it was like a storm But when you say I was fooling around with classmates were the were they guys and you were dating girls I mean is that when it started Yeah yeah just the casual like 
it happens in, you know, tons of straight guys. It happens like, you know, you, you jerk off of a buddy at a sleepover. Or I know. You I was telling my friend this the sex. other day at lunch, like, and he was like, nothing happened to me. I'm like, I have heard it a million times on my show. The shit that goes down between guys and their friends, like they jerk off together, they're sleeping over, you know, stuff like yeah. that happens more than it doesn't, right? Because I've heard it a lot. So it was happening in your school too, even with, like you said, the straight guys. Yeah, I used to have a I used to have a straight guy that I used to this was this was when I was like twenty nine. I used to have a straight guy that I used to fuck in the ass, but he wouldn't kiss. Yeah. And then six months he used to he used to come over two AM wasted to my house. He would say no kissing. We would just have sex. I only did it because he was gorgeous. Like I only I only kept it up. Yeah, yeah. And then one day he told me, probably like three months into our little arrangement, he told me, oh, sorry, I'm late. I got in a fight with my girlfriend. And I was like, girlfriend? <laughs> well, what did you think? I was going to ask if he was married. But I mean, this is crazy. Like you have a, a guy with a girlfriend sneaking out at all hours of the night. She has no idea her boyfriend's just going somewhere, getting on all fours, can, getting I, Can you believe? And then coming back to her. You should hear I a lot of times with the married ones, because I'm always like interested in those scenarios. Like, where is your wife and where are you doing it? And it's like, oh, she went away on a business trip and like she's out the door 20 minutes and somebody's at his house like smelling her panties and they're jerking off and blowing each other. Like, I swear, like it, I've heard that before. <laughs> so I'm well, always I, like, I you never know. A- I, well, I do have a bombshell coming up for you. Um, yeah. You know, we're all over the place here. But, yeah, it's okay. Um, my dad actually was a gay penis doctor. What do you mean a gay so, penis doctor? What does that mean? So my dad was a urologist growing up. Okay, so he was right. a penis doctor. He was married to my mom. Um, and then this is a true story, and it'll be in my second book. Um, around the age of 23, my dad left the family computer open. Uh, on a website called squirt.org. Uh-huh. I don't know if oh you're god. familiar. What's the, <laughs> no. I mean, the, what's in the name, eh? Like, yeah, Jesus. oh my god. Squirt.org. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, so squirt.org, if any people aren't familiar, is a website where men hook up with other men, but it's it's just for hooking up. So it, they rate public places to have sex. So it's sort of like a, like a Yelp for dick. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. You Interesting. Say like, mm-hmm gas stations or parks and people will literally review it and uh, write reviews. And then it's just a purely hookup, anonymous, no strings website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found my dad on that website. His profile came up. Oh, my God. But how did you know it was him? Was it was it his name? Because, I mean, I'm assuming he didn't use face shots of himself or was it because he was logged in? He was logged in, and then his email address was getting you know you, you know when you get a new message on one of those sites, and yeah. you get the like you have a new message on ends up in your email box. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so that was the basis for my uh, parents' divorce, and then uh, why I did you go and snitch? My mom. I snitched. I snitched hard. Oh my god, <laughs> that must have been a really difficult thing. I mean, you had to go back to your mother. Now, let me ask you this though: Did you have any? idea because you're gay yourself right and at this point Mm -hmm. uh, how old were you when you found this you're like 23 23 about right so you had already been hooking up with guys yourself and everything and knew that about yourself i mean i don't know how good your gaydar is but did you have any inkling that something was going on with your dad like that he might be gay at all none not I actually zero. had a boyfriend at the time uh-huh. who uh, would come to the house and we kind of had a secret relationship that my family knew. They thought we were just friends. But I, I truly had no idea. And then, of course, 
you know, I, I used it for my comedy and I, I kind of opened talking about it and I said, my dad was a gay penis doctor. You got to do what you love. Right. And then there's like a million different jokes. You can kind of go from there. Yeah. But um, it's it's just sort of like it was one of those things where um, you do think back. And then my mom, in retrospect, thinks back to moments that, that you know, long glances at a waiter and just little things like that, that, that all of a sudden she realizes. But, you know, the thing that I, re- that I realized in all that, no one really talks about this, is there are millions and millions of men and women who are getting these types of relationships. And we, we, we get very excited when the person comes out and that's a great thing. We say, Oh, he's finally living his truth. But yeah, you very don't know. what about the victim of the person that's left behind? Right. The right. carnage mm-hmm. and yeah. the psychological trauma of someone's life being uprooted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's millions of children born in these families and there's millions of people that, that go through this. And it's, it's a really traumatic experience. And I saw my mom go through it. Yeah, I can imagine. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you really question your self-esteem and all that. So, and then my dad, we confronted him about it and he just took off. But <laughs> so, when you, but just bad. tell me about like, you. so you go to your mother and you're like, mom, I have to tell you what I saw or like, did you bring her over to the computer? Like, how did that all go down? So I called her on the phone mm-hmm. and I said, I have something to tell you. And she was at work. Mm-hmm. Oh my so God. I I said, can you take a couple of minutes? And then I told her, I just said, I found him on a gay hookup site, blah, blah, blah. And there were also another, there were other little things on there. Like he was hiding money. Um, you know, there were all these different elements to it. It was kind of like this entire secret life that all was tied in together. Yeah. And then she sort of had a little bit of a breakdown, called me back. Um, and then uh, confided in me that she, she had kind of suspected other times. But I mean, listen, I don't want to be textbook, but my dad, he didn't really come across as the most gay person. So you just it's not one of those things you would really think of. But is he let me ask you this. Is he gay now or was he maybe bisexual? Do you know? I mean, how does he identify as himself now that it's so many years later? Uh, Well, he's dead now. So, um, yeah, he identifies as dead now. uh, (laughs) But (laughs) But how long you know after what? that did he die? I mean, when? How long has <laughs> he didn't die of AIDS? I know everyone's probably thinking that. Or no, something. I didn't think that at all. <laughs> I feel like you don't die um, from AIDS anymore. I know, I know. I do. There's a lot of people who don't really know how HIV works. So yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They kind of jump to those conclusions. Well, newsflash, um, you know. Listen, yeah, yeah. He uh, he ran away, and um, and then we sort of confronted him about it. And then a couple of years later, we heard that he had started a relationship with a woman. But, I mean, I don't ever really think he was bisexual because all his relationships were very transactional. They were based on class and status and society and networking. You mean his the relationships really... with women? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. I'll never I, – I never will know. Um, How did he die? But A brain tumor. Oh, wow. And were you yeah. in contact with him or did you guys after that happen and you said he disappeared and then you guys found out? I mean, did you sever all ties? I mean, or did he sever ties? I mean, did you ever have a relationship with him after that? Barely. I mean, his thought process was uh, run away from family A and start family B. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he moved to the entire other coast. And so I guess his idea was, uh, you know, ignore that life in denial, start a new life on the West Coast. Um new friends. Uh, he kind of took care of her kids. Um, and he really just had no time for us. 
And so he kind of, it's interesting because my sister and I are, my sister's a lesbian and I'm gay. And um, it sort of sends you this, this message, right? Where there's something so wrong with being gay that I'm going to completely just abandon it and run from it. And, yeah, and yeah. that does reside with you. That of course, how can it not? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, so. I mean, that whole story, I think there's a lot, like, listen, a lot of people, because I know you said before, like, oh, you know, people don't talk about the residual effects of somebody coming out, right, if they're married and stuff. But I think there's a lot of other stories don't have that ending, right? Yours is very harsh because, <laughs> yes. you know, because sometimes people talk through it and people work through it. And, uh, you know, and on the other at the end of that story, maybe th- people are in a better place. Right. Not only the person that came out, but also the person that was in that relationship, because they go on to have a much fuller, better, intimate relationship with someone who is totally present. Did your mother ever remarry? Yeah. So I have a stepdad and he's an incredible guy and it's just night and day between the two people. But, right, um, right. you know, I think that's also why I got into my podcast and my, like, shame on you. My initial podcast was a gay podcast. My current podcast isn't gay. It's just sort of broad, but mm-hmm. I, I behaved in this disinhibited sexually, you know, I wasn't socially restrained on shame on you. And, and through my advocacy work on that podcast, it was sort of like, I'm going to live the opposite of this man and I'm going to be the exact, right. I'm going to be the most yeah, proud yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why I think the podcast was so successful because, um, we just didn't give a fuck, but also we inspired other gay guys. You know, we had a priest come out of the closet during that show. We wow. had like guys, guys come out. We had one guy live, leave, leave his wife just because, um, our shamelessness was contagious in a way yeah, 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 to people and, and, and we had laid bare our soul on that show. So I think, so I think my whole dad situation was just sort of me thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the opposite of this and I'm going to go the other route and I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to other families through the work that I'm doing. Um, but of course it's, it's deeply traumatizing and that's why I'm funny. I mean, that's really, it's really one of the bases for it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's always an overcorrection when something happens, right? And so you went the exact opposite way. And maybe the reason why you ended your show was because, you know, maybe you resolved that part of yourself, right? And you got it all out. And then, you know, you you were, you didn't have to overcorrect or go so opposite your father, you know, because maybe doing it for 16 months was like therapy for you. And, and that's why it was done. Because what you were doing there was so great, right? Why end it? But maybe for you, it ran its course. And, you know, now you don't need to, you know, work it out so much because you've worked it out that that way. Yeah. And I mean, it also just, it ruined, it was, I was so radioactive in my personal life. I mean, no one wants to touch you when you're going to go on a podcast every week and recap (laughs) what happened, right? You become this radioactive person that no one trusts. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to get away from that. And um, and, and, and also, you know what, I, I just was in the appetite for a broader show. I mean, we were doing gay content every single week. And it's mm-hmm. like we had we'd really exhausted everything. We interviewed gay priests. We interviewed meth addicts. We interviewed like so many different things that it sort of was just like, which was unmentionable now. It's just like I just want to go broader and, and not just do gay content. I just want to make yeah. people laugh. Truly. Right. But back to when, so you're younger, right? And you're you're fooling around with guys in high school. And then by the time you find your father, you find out that your father's, you know, hooking up with guys, you're 23 and you're still not out to your family. Right. Cause you said that they, right. just, you're like having these secret boyfriends come home. Were you out to yourself? I mean, did you realize then, like, when did you realize you were gay and stopped dating women and were just strictly with guys? 
I would say I probably realized around 15, 16, and uh-huh. then anonymous hookups, uh, you know, parking lots, stuff like that. And then I met this guy at 19 who ended up becoming my boyfriend for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my initial relationship. And the, the pretty much the whole percentage of that relationship was in the closet. So we were two people madly in love just hiding everything from the world. You know, we would basically had a relationship that existed of lies and, you know, meeting up in motels and it was just an exhausting relationship in that sense. But um, around the time that I broke up with my boyfriend was around the time this all went down. And so when my mom found out about my dad, I just took that as an opportunity to say, hey, yeah, there's uh, one more here. And uh, I told her that I was gay that, at that moment. It, it was a double whammy. Like, oh my god, your poor mother! And then did your sister <laughs> come out too? Oh, a couple of years later, my my oh mom my got god. a little bit of a break, but um, oh yeah. God. So I mean, and then I just went wild. So that's kind of where my book starts. It's you know, I break up with my boyfriend. I go to the mental hospital. I'm sort of uh, you know, how long were you in the mental mind. hospital for? Just a day, because I got to tell you, they have no solutions. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've never been in a mental But why a mental hospital? Why did you wind up in a mental hospital? Like, what was going down with you emotionally that you felt like you... Were you put in one because you threatened suicide? Or, like, did you check yourself in because you just couldn't fucking handle the breakup? Like, why a mental hospital? Because we've all gone through it, tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, you know what it was? It was, I, I was breaking up, ending this relationship, which is kind of the only thing that was keeping me sane. And then yeah. also my family was really not doing well with the divorce and my mom wasn't doing well. And I just sort of had like a panic attack one day. Uh-huh. I ended up going to the mental hospital. I got in a cab. I just went right to the mental hospital and it was almost like I wasn't crazy enough. I so, don't think you were. I mean, just to have no. panic attack, you don't need to go to the mental hospital. Maybe, you know, maybe because it was the first one you've had. I've had a million. I should have been. It's just like, I've never been in a mental hospital. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it. Maybe you didn't. You probably didn't need to be there. I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm a, a, you know, a homosexual with an affinity for histrionics and uh, dramatic behavior. So <laughs> probably not. Yeah, it's like say. a story. It's a good story. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then uh, I kind of realized that, like, they were like, you know, are you a harm to yourself or others? And it was sort of just a cry for help. And it was yeah, kind of that yeah. I needed some therapy. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I was just sort of like, okay, you guys, unless you're at a level where you need to be medicated or you're a danger to yourself, there's really no solutions for you. Yeah. Um, and, th- <laughs> and then I sort of just, you know, left. And, and that's where my book starts is just sort of this 10 year journey of, um, you know, try to figure out my Trying to, trying to find love, but really having none of the tools that you really need to find love, including self-love. Yeah, yeah, because so, that's where it's got to start from, right? Exactly. And and also, you know, your picker and the type of people you yeah. go for, it, it just mimics your parents. Yeah. It, because of your parents and, and whatnot, you seek out the drama, you seek out the chaos, you seek out what's familiar to you. And what was familiar to me was absent parenting or emotionally unavailable types. Yeah. So my book is, you know, it's really just like a couple chapters in, um, I decide to have sex with my boss, which is, uh, really, where were you uh, working a, at the a, time? What kind of boss was this? Like, were you in a restaurant or was this a boss in, you know, an office? 
I was in the talk radio business uh-huh. in Toronto, uh-huh. um, and I didn't know my boss was gay. Uh-huh. And one day I was at the. It seems to be a common theme. I don't really realize people in my life. Are yeah, gay I was just gonna say you have really bad gator. And most of the time, all of my gay friends, they just like they see it in everybody. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's the other. That's the other problem too. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. So um, I was working at this radio station, and uh, I went out one day with my friends. We went to a gay bar, and mm-hmm. they had this thing called the ass contest. So you go on stage, you pull your pants down, you show your ass, people cheer, and the winner gets $150. Uh-huh. And in the middle of the contest, um, I looked to my right. I had made it to the finals, and I had my ass out. And uh, I looked to the right, and my boss was standing probably about eight feet from me with a beer. And <laughs> I just... I just looked at him and I was like, Morgan, and... How old was he? How much older than you was he? Probably only like three or four years. Not quite a bit. It was a young boss. And uh, he came over to the edge of the stage and he was wasted. And he motioned to to kind of whisper in my ear. So I leaned down over the stage and he whispered in my ear. He said, if I would have seen that ass during the interview, I would have hired you a week earlier. And I was like, <laughs> so I get back on stage and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of discombobulated because I'm thinking like, is this going to come up on Monday? Yeah. Like, is this going to be my performance review? Like I was just, I was so confused that I didn't know how to navigate something like this. And then, uh, probably like a month later, uh, he ended up getting another job. And the second he got the other job, he texted me and said, uh, do you want to go for drinks? And we went for drinks and we got really wasted and we were sitting outside the bar and he, he looked at me and he goes, so what do you want to do now? And I go, honestly, let's just get this over with. Like, let's stop this charade. Yeah. And so we banged. And was it good? <laughs> um, you know what? It was pretty mediocre. And I think the point I kind of made in my book is like the comedian sickness mm-hmm. is like everything's a bit so I didn't even wasn't really that attracted to him at the time. It was just that I was such a sick person that I thought it would be a great story for my friends. Oh, I can't tell. And I was I'm the same personality type. I did so many things just for I love a good story. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like I almost got raped right. in the back of a health food store once for the story because I was in a, like right before he was about to like do something really bad to me. I was like, this is so interesting that I'm, this is happening. You know what I mean? I have that third like that yes. other part of myself that could get out of the scenario and look and be like, this is so interesting. You know, this is like crazy. But like, we might be a little crazy. It is. It's, it's yeah. the com- but it's the comedian insecurity of needing to perform and, you know, be the, create bits and get people's love. And, and that's what I, I'm not a comedian I and I have that gene. So I don't know if it's so much a comedian thing or maybe it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a Attention lot of things thing? coupled together and something. What? It's maybe it's just an attention thing. No, I think. Are, are you a very curious person? I mean, I I'm, I think it's a part of being like really curious and like and being really interested. Like you know, like a, a adrenaline rush. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into like having a good story and being a part of a good story. Look at fucking newscasters. Those people are nuts. They like you know they want to be where the hurricane is. They're addicted to adrenaline. You know, it's it's kind of the same thing. I think. I don't know. But I wonder if that addiction to to adrenaline and all that because I think the other part of it that we're not talking about is like you can have these experiences but for me it was always the need 
to tell them to people. It's like, what's the point of having these experiences if I can't use them as bits yeah, with yeah, yeah. people? And uh-huh. that's, you know, yeah, like it, yeah, was, yeah. it wasn't about me enjoying the moment or having a sexy anonymous encounter. Right. It was, it was like, really I can't wait to go t- tell people. <laughs> yeah. Being yeah. the monkey and mining it for personal content and writing a book. And, and I think that's the thing I've always trying to I have to work on getting away from is just mining my personal life for content and, and then you're just like a product for sale. You become commodified in a way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have I don't have that aspect of it. But, you know, I, I, I would say that's not such a bad aspect to have as a part of your concoction because you have these books and you have these podcasts and you're doing well for yourself, right? So you take it to the next level. I mean, isn't that what Famous Anus is all about, right? That part of you that you're you're working against, maybe that part of you that tries to always go for the story, right? And is doing that. Yeah, and there's a character that we incorporated in the book named Otis, and he's a monkey on my shoulder. So yeah, sort of right. the idea of, you know, around the devil on your shoulder. And he kind of chimes in in the book to help me you know, amplify chaos or cultivate it. Um, and that's what I fight is that the comedian uh, moment of, of sort of being being the monkey, being mm-hmm. loved for being the monkey and, and trying to be loved for other things and know that you're loved for other things. And that's not the only thing you're loved for. And so that's the side narrative of the book. It's just, I'm going through all this chaos, but you're also seeing that there's a person there that's desperately wanting to be loved mm-hmm. and yeah, like, sure. like comedians do. And, and so it's like, this is the personal cost that's coming to me and, and self-destruction is fun and it's interesting uh, but um, there's a point where it just becomes the self-deprecation becomes self-destruction in a way. Oh yeah, for sure. You hope that you know. Listen, some people never get to that point where they ha- where they realize that what you've realized, right, and sort of turn it around. It, it, trust me, you know, mm-hmm. when you're 50, you might still have some friends that are operating on that level because they never see it for what it is, you know, and they're just, it's just a constant replaying of the same shit over and over again, you know, Um, but you had that turnaround when, how old were you when things started to shift for you that you started to see it for what it was and wanted to work probably, probably about a year ago. I think that was, that's what tied in with me ending shame on you is going to therapy. Yeah. I think it was like a shift for you for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I want to, I think was unmentionable. It was, uh, now I'm going externally, so it was always like, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my head? And, you know, narcissism is really just like a self-obsession in a way. Yeah, for and sure. so what I do now in my new podcast is I try to go outward. So it's more about the guests. It's more about what's going on in the news. It's more about social commentary yeah. than just treating myself as this product. And uh, But and, listen, you know, I listen, have to say, the- no, but I have to say tw- your 20s and in your 20s, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like how else do you get to know? Because I'm always like, oh, you know, a 21-year-old's like an amoeba. You're just not even fully formed yet. You don't know who the fuck you are. And, and that's what your 20s is about. So I, I think it's really natural and normal that, you know, you would be talking that all out about yourself and being really hyper fixated on yourself. Because how do you even know who you are? yet right you're like we're all part of a family and inside a family you know and then eventually you get out and you're like you start to you have to figure out who you are without all that stuff that was put on you and that takes time and I think that's what being 20 something is all about and then you hit your 30s and things start to shift and it's about different things so I think that's also an age thing too yeah or some people just 
you know, overdose on heroin and never get there. Yeah, you're right. For the most part. (laughs) I don't know. That's just what I noticed, you know, so I'm just saying it might not have been like, oh, you're so narcissistic. I think a 20 something year old is just narcissistic by nature. You know, I think they all are. It's still you're still very self-absorbed, you know. Listen, I think you're pretty young to start thinking outside of yourself. I think I, I quit drinking at 34 and that was like when I first like that's when I started to grow up and I don't even feel like I really grew up until I was like in my 40s you know it's it's, some people are take a long time you know you've been through a lot right I mean could you just tell me how you got chlamydia two times in the same week I mean (laughs) and how did you know like I don't understand because don't you couldn't you get cured from it and then you got it again what do you mean That was a very skilled transition. You're, uh, you know, you're yeah. getting very deep, and then you're like, "Tell me about the chlamydia." Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I need like, to fit shit in. I normally do like hour, hour and twenty <laughs> minutes, so I got to get it all in. We go all over the place. Oh, I got yeah. lots to give you. Um, yeah. So, um, I one of the chapters in my book is I started a relationship with someone who was an alcoholic, like a like a real blackout alcoholic, yeah. mm-hmm. drank every day, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really the only redeeming quality of this guy was that he, he really had the most beautiful penis in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is insane. I mean, this is the level of insanity I had, but it was like it was like a Nobel Prize award winning penis. <laughs> yeah. And it just it, it just was beautiful. And and uh, but also and the sex um, was great. I mean, who can't relate to that? Yeah. Who can't relate? Oh, to that? it was. And of course he was closeted and of course he was self-loathing and of course it was a thrill and it was an affair and it was like, it was a blast. We had a, yeah. we had a great time. But, um, but what ended up happening is one day, uh, I was, uh, working with my business partner and I remember I, I said to him, I was like, oh, my, he's like, why do you keep grabbing your dick? And I was like, I don't know. It's like really burning really badly. <laughs> and I went to the bathroom and I came oh, back yeah. to him and he, and he looked at me and he's like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, either, um, I just came in the urinal or uh i have an sti <laughs> and uh which is never you never want that question right is well, it yeah. come or discharge like it's oh, like oh yeah. fuck so then he so i went the to burning the burning might have been uh, a sign <laughs> yeah i went to the clinic and the woman uh handed me the thing and she said go pee in it and i brought it back and it looked like i don't know if you're italian or you know or you've been around italian people you know stracciatella soup you know yeah no is? i know of course uh-huh yeah, so it looked like that oh. in the urine, and I remember I looked at her, and she's like, "Listen, I'm not allowed to give medical advice, but um, I think you know, like something's like I think something's wrong here." So they treat you, and I called the guy, and what ended up happening was he's actually one of the fifty percent that's asymptomatic, so he had no idea he was just kind of spreading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he got the medication. So, so what ended up happening is I take the medication on a Monday. I tell him, I said, "You got to go deal with this." He takes the medication, and then uh, you're supposed to wait like a week. So mm-hmm. by the time it was the weekend, I think it was like the Sunday, we, we already started banging again because we figured we were in, both in the clear. But yeah. what he didn't tell me was that he's such an alcoholic that he just started the medication and then just stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh, like he gosh. took it for a couple days. Yeah. So And he figured, okay, a couple days, it's fine. It'll be gone by now, but it really doesn't work like that. So he passed it back to me. So <laughs> I had to go back to the same doctor the next week with you the didn't same have symptoms. to go back to that doctor just so you know i was gonna say like well, you did not to go clinic. to the same doctor did you <laughs> i went to the clinic where she worked oh and my god then that's I opened, awesome and i came that's in the so door funny. and i was like it was like oh, i was like fuck you again and then yeah. i told her the story and she looked at me like you would look at like a fire that just lit a family on yeah, fire yeah, like, yeah. like if you were just, she was just 
so in such horror. <laughs> Uh, and then she was like, I don't know if this is my place, but like, if you can't even trust someone with your help or health, why are you having a relationship with them? That's first of all, that's fucked up. That's real. That wasn't her place actually to say that. It's ridiculous. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's wrong. That's completely wrong. She was she in like a new doctor because, you know, I mean, you would think a doctor has seen a lot of shit and they should really keep their mouth shut and their facial expressions to them. So, you know, they should be much better at hiding that. But she probably thought someone unprofessional. in distress. What? Yeah. She probably thought someone in distress that was also that probably help? some mental health. Probably a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Listen, it would be then, way uh, worse if it was two separate people. It was the same guy. You know, I mean, that's well, not that's as bad. The thing, and that's, yeah. And I, I don't know. Like I, I hear from friends who get STIs all the time. I will. I, I was really hoary in my twenties. Yeah. And this was my only experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I count myself a little lucky in that respect. Yeah, and it was chlamydia. It wasn't herpes. I had a girlfriend that got herpes. I mean, that's like the worst. Um. So I just don't think that you know. I listen. That doctor was completely wrong to give you a a face of like, oh my god, and then tell you how how could. Well, did you start telling her the story? Were you like, oh, can you believe my boyfriend is a fucking alcoholic and he didn't take his pills and he gave it back to me? Did you give all that? And then she said, oh, oh, well, for sure. I ever. probably knowing me, I probably thought it was like a stand up moment. Yeah, like, yeah, probably, you're doing the story I thing. Told it. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably was on full show and I thought it was funny, and then I think her face sort of knocked me back to reality because I, the thing about my book is that I treated nothing as reality at the time. I took nothing seriously. I took, I didn't even take myself seriously. Like I didn't take anything seriously, which honestly is still kind of the way I see the world Mm -hmm. that I just find it all ridiculous. Yeah, me too. Uh, Uh I understand. It's silly, right? Like it's like, everything is like really like important and really unimportant at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at things. You know, I, I totally, I totally get it, you know, but that's okay because I think when you have had a lot of trauma in your life, I have, uh, you have, right. A lot, most people have, a lot of people have, right. It is, you know, I think it is your saving grace. At least it has been for mine to be a person that could look at the funny of it because there's a lot of people out there that have the same shit but they don't they can't see it as funny right or they can't like get to that place where they could you know put you know do the spin on it because listen life is short life goes on you have this stuff right nothing's going to change tomorrow like right now in one second you know it could take years to release all that stuff but if you could laugh a little on the way I mean that's not so bad it's actually a good part of yourself that is it does help and you know yeah have you ever done psychedelics no, uh-uh, because li- I got to tell you, like, I'm always like, I always dated like weed heads because I'm like a stone person naturally. Like my, you know, like I said, I'm like, you know, almost getting raped and I'm thinking, wow, this is fascinating. You know, I'm like a, I'm like a, <laughs> my brain is yeah. like a stone person regularly. Like when I smoke weed, I, it's like, I feel like I'm the weirdest person around. Like I can't. And if I started to actually see shit, like when people tell me like they hallucinate, I would be freaked out cocaine was my thing I was like an alcoholic right and I I haven't drank since I'm 34 right for like a really long time and I quit all that stuff but and I was never like a cokehead or anything but if I had a drug of choice it was cocaine because I didn't feel weird I just felt fucking good right and up and it gave me a lot of energy so no I don't like things that make me drugs that make me feel weird because I think I just feel too weird regularly you know (laughs) yeah well you know what that is they they the thing about it is because they're just associative, they sort of 
allow you to step outside yourself. One of the one of the I other could do that naturally. Actually, I don't like it. You know what well, I mean? Well, you think that, but that's your conscious. Yeah, right? yeah. Conscious no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. But one of the chapters in my book is I I tried acid for the first time, and, and? one of the things is. I loved it because you know what it does really beautifully is it restores the newness of your childhood. What it do you restores mean? the So when you take acid it you know when you're young and everything's incredible, everything's amazing. You, no, you know, I trees, didn't really like sunset. being young. No, I didn't like being really? young. No, I hated being young. I couldn't wait to be a fucking grown up and I'm so much happier as a grown up person. I, I didn't have fun as well, a kid. I wouldn't want to recreate that shit. I couldn't wait to grow up. My okay, grow well, my childhood like to me is like gloomy. Like I hate the past. Like it's so I like the future and fucking now. I would not want to go back. Mm-mm. But wouldn't you want to restore I I Well maybe to restore it, yeah, childhood. make it better, right? Like you're saying? Like it mm-hmm. it it gives you a yeah. different a, a different view of it, right? It doesn't take you back to actually what it was. It makes it better is what you're saying? It well, well, here's the thing. I think I think there's a there's a it's the newness of the childhood for for me and I think a lot of my friends who took it is yeah. that you just you don't ignore natural beauty in the way that we do now, meaning right. like it just sort of elevates sunsets, trees, all these things that are just incredible that we really take for granted. It really mm-hmm. just elevates those in a way that you feel a pureness and a peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. and, and it's very. It was a very beautiful experience. The only problem with it is the last twelve hours, <laughs> and at about yeah, at about the seven hour mark, you want to check out because you've had enough. You see, that's the kind of thing that, that would make me go to the mental hospital. Like I would not be able to deal. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't get out of it, though, right? No, it's 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 very intense too. Like you're you're talking about completely altering the reality in front of you. Yeah, no, uh, at a uh-uh. certain level. Yeah, but. If you get through it, um, it really does reset your mind. Uh, yeah, no, I, think I know. There's, yeah, it's there's, listen, yeah, there's a lot of stuff now, right? And a lot of people are are doing. There's a lot of therapy with psychedelics, right? And a lot of information on it. And I'm always interested to hear. And that's one thing. Like I face my fear. I I don't. I'm not like a wuss, really. Like I'll I'll do a lot of shit. And I'm, but that's one thing. Like I would be way too afraid to do. Like I just. Uh, uh-uh. it's too scary. He's just like, I don't know, you know. Um, but you, I know you said you. There was another thing, something about boner spray. Like I don't even know what that means, but there was some. And I remember I made a note to ask you because I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Like I did boner spray someplace, and what does that mean? I was. In, is that another drug? I was in, <laughs> I was in Colombia with a friend of mine, and everything's over the counter there. And he said to me. Um, oh, okay. Boner you know, spray, like something that you spray on your dick, like it's no, you put it in your mouth. It's essentially spray Viagra. They sell it over the counter there. Oh, okay. So, I never knew that they have spray Viagra. Yeah, so it's just like you spray it under your tongue and then wait probably about thirty minutes, and you have a raging boner. So there's a story in my book where we met up with these two guys in Colombia who were locals, and uh, took who's them back we? To our you and a guy? You and your boyfriend? You and? Just a, my best friend and I. Okay. Uh, He's gay too, I'm and, assuming, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we met these guys. We took them by a hotel, and it was kind of like we all got drunk, and we were like, oh, let's try this boner spray. And I think the the story of my book is that we didn't really think it through. Like, we just sort of <laughs> thought it would be like, let's try this and see what yeah. happens. And yeah. then it turns into this whole thing where 
all of a sudden is sexual uh-huh. um, because we, you know, we're, we're essentially all sitting there with boners drunk laughing and then realizing, Oh, this is oddly sexual. We didn't really think this through. And then it's kind of what transpires after that. Which, what you transpired know, like a big orgy? Like, did you all fuck each other? Kind of. It starts, but then we're so drunk that everything starts going south. So people start puking, and oh, and the boner oh, spray gross. is like it's it's a drug, right? So it it, it gives you like really bad acid reflux, <laughs> and uh, it, it so it's kind of like everything goes downhill from there. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and so that's the story of the book is it's just kind of us trying to. But listen, I mean, like South America, you can buy anything over the counter. It's, it's jarring that you can just buy antibiotics over the counter. You yeah, can, that's you everywhere. It's great. I mean, you go to Europe, same shit. You know, it's only here in America where you gotta get a script for you know antibiotics. Other places, you could just get stuff over the counter too. It's 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 here. That's the problem. Yeah. You did have an orgy though. I mean, and it's in quote unquote Hollywood. Were there any celebrities at that orgy? No, I was very disappointed. I thought like Neil Patrick Harris or someone yeah. would be there. Uh, yeah. uh, it was a low rent orgy. It was also my first orgy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got invited to an orgy when we were in Hollywood. And we were like, you know, what the hell? Let's let's check it out. But how did you get invited? And, uh, like, was it a promoter? Like, was it that kind of orgy? Was it someone's house? And they're like, oh, we're having a swingers party. I mean, like, how did you get invited to an orgy? Like, how was it? How was it pitched to you? They messaged us on Grinder and then uh, had said, "Do you want to come to this orgy?" Blah blah. blah inquired oh, further. Oh, okay. So and it's then, someone's putting together a party, right? Right. Yeah. And they make you try out for the. You have to try out by sending a picture of yourself of holding the date of that day to make yeah. sure it's recent. Yeah, they want it. They then, want good looking. Yeah, that's a, like a promoter's doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was like it's like a group, so it, it's like a it's like an ongoing group, and then the group has to approve. The new person. Okay. Uh, so then we went. And Who's it we again? Like you and your I, best friend again are deciding to me go? Me and my best friend, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so who was your friend? And was he the guy that was your co-host on your old podcast? Correct, yeah. Okay, cool. Correct. All right, go on. And so we went to this orgy. It was in uh, West Hollywood. And uh, it was just at a guy's condo. It was probably only like 600 square foot condo. Really tiny. Yeah. And uh, we just, oh, I just remember opening the door. And I was just. It was 25 guys just fucking like wild turkeys in the middle of the room. And it was like, it was so intense that it was desexualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't even feel turned on. It was just too much. And then I remember I walked to get a drink and pretty much the first thing I saw was like a guy with two dicks in his ass on the couch. And it was like it was like it was like starting Super Mario, but like at the end, yeah, you know, yeah. like at the end, like the last boss, like it was something you needed to build up to. Yeah. And and I just remember seeing like I, I, I by the time I poured another drink, I just remember seeing guys were like blowing on each other's faces and like and then they would come over to you and start a conversation like after you just saw them violate someone's <laughs> face, they would come over to you and just. And then you'd just be like, hi, yeah, oh, hey. And then he's like, yeah, I got to get hydrated. And he was drinking water. He's like, okay, see you guys later. And he got back out and... And, and it was jizzed just, on some I mean, other was, guy's face. I had a whole thing about jizzing on face. Like, I was always very interested in asking people that question because I feel like there's something very um, degrading about it. 
uh, you know, for the person that likes it as a, and also for the person that does it, you know, I, I always used to, I had like a whole jizz quiz about it because I just felt like there was something more to that, you know, um, whether you like doing that or you like doing that to somebody, there's something to it. I don't know that like, do you like to jizz? It's degrading. It's just a it's, form of degrading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, I knew one, one guy once said to me like, oh, you know, and he was like trying to get down my pants and he was like, oh, I like the things I love the best were like, you know coming on a girl's face and like and also fucking her in the ass and then fucking her regularly like so it's like i was like you like hate women you know what i mean like you're just oh, oh no he said no no sure. it wasn't fuck her regularly he's like i like to fuck her in the ass and i love for her to suck my dick right after so like you're shoving shit in a girl's mouth and you're it's coming on her face season. i'm like this guy is like he hates women like you know stay away red flag right there if you ask me you know I mean, the thing about the thing about ass to mouth is it's really a vile act if you think about it. Oh yeah, no, it's de- like, it's a, it's right up there, which is it's an it's degrading. And some people, I think, that's the turn on, right? Yeah, but I think it's just like I, I don't know. I think ass to mouth, if you like visually thought about it, is so gross. But I mean, it's it's probably good for your immune system because at least you're like. You know, you're getting exposed to things. No, I think shit has a lot of um, um, like bad bacteria. It's not good. No, it's like the pee. Like remember Madonna said she always pees in the shower because her pee is like gets rid of. I don't know. I thought there was something she said like, you know, it gets rid of uh, what's that disease on your feet? the foot oh athlete's foot athlete's foot yeah like there's something in pee like you could but I think shit is a whole different story I think it's no it's I think it's very bad I think you get really sick from it I don't know I just personally think like that's a warning sign like I said I've I think I've had people on my show that like that kind of stuff I mean I'm not here to judge but I do think if somebody loves to be jizzed on their face and they want to eat shit you know you may have like a self-esteem thing going on too I don't know or you're the person that well, likes I to do that. You, yeah. I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head and that like a guy who always wants to do that to woman, women, you're just like, oh, that's like, I don't know. It does feel like how you're you punishing women. women. Yeah. Yeah. And it turned yeah, out he became yeah. my friend and his mother was really fucking mean. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's why you're like every you're but you're, you know, putting that stuff on these girls like you're you're doing that to your girl. You're basically putting your shit dick in your mom's mouth and that's you know you're getting back there like that's what it's all about <laughs> chivalry is dead chivalry <laughs> is totally dead ask the mouth really put the nail in the chivalry <laughs> <laughs> but wait at that orgy did you like have sex with anyone oh i so i was disgusted because i just thought it was too much yeah and yeah, then yeah. uh I picked up a guy at the orgy who who still had his clothes on and then took him back to our Airbnb and then ended up hooking up with him. Oh, there you but, go. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really – like I, I used to have threesomes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's my limit. I don't know. There's a point where there's just too many fluids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Or Now, let me ask you this. Or Where are you at now as far as relationships? Are you in a relationship? Are you single? No, I was dating someone in the summer who was in their 20s, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> what a terrible idea. This Why, is- were they a narcissist? <laughs> no, I don't think you uh, – I know this sounds ageist, but honestly, it's rooted in reality. I think you. I think we all forget how uh, how immature we were. At, at, he was 26, but also it's just um, – when you're that young, you um, are very impressionable. You're mm-hmm. very insecure. You mm-hmm. look for social cues from everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I just think for someone like me who's a lot and uh, who's really unorthodox, I just think in a way it just wasn't a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I have trouble uh, navigating people's insecurities and, and at that age. And I think it's sort of like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And uh, and that's what I found. I was just like, oh, yeah, there's a huge gap between, let's say, 26 to 30. Yeah. A massive gap there and maturation. So, um, so no, that's your answer. And then now I'm in lockdown. So I'm really not supposed to, I mean, off the record, uh, yeah, I'll probably hook up some. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, are you looking yeah, for a relationship? But, I mean, is that what you'd like to have? Like, where, where are you at in your life? Like, do you enjoy being single or are you like more of a relationship person and you enjoy more so being in a relationship? I'm kind of, uh, at this point in my life, I'm kind of all in or all out, meaning mm-hmm. like, um, Either I'm 100% single or I'm in a serious, committed, long-term relationship. How long did you I, the date middle that, ground. How long did you date that young guy? Oh, it was just a few months. Oh, okay. Right, right. And before that, when was your last long-term relationship? Um, Probably, there's a story in my book. Uh, the last chapter of my book was about a year on and off mm-hmm. uh, with a closeted person. That's yeah. a fun one. <laughs> it yeah. seems like a theme. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a really, that's the last chapter of my book. It's really sad. A lot of people cry when they read it and it's sort of me coming out of the other side and saying like, okay, I'm, I'm really done with this phase of my life and the pain. Yeah. Um, and because, uh, I don't think people realize it's like for anyone listening, I mean, just even not just in the gay world, but just emotionally unavailable. I, what I learned in that situation was that it doesn't matter how much you love someone, their hate for themselves will always win out. Mm-hmm. And I really tried to fix him and I, I sort of probably thought that if I saved him and helped him come out and helped him love himself that he would need me mm-hmm. and he would be indebted to me mm-hmm. um, and and that was kind of what I learned from that relationship so that's the last chapter of my book is just sort of um, saying this is the final one this is the last well, don't time you I'm think do that, that yeah well don't you think what you were doing was working out your uh, stuff with your dad I mean you know your dad was the closeted person right so like you, you know you're working that story out and with these guys and in with it within your relationships you know that's what we have to do we can't go back and listen especially because your dad's dead but even if you're they're alive you can't really go back and rework your childhood and your traumas with the exact person but you work them out through your relationships you know and so right. you're like working through your dad being closeted and you know, so I think it's like a you were trying to get those people out. It was like what you would wa- have wanted to do with your father that you couldn't do, right? Yeah, and I also had that problem, which a lot of people have, is where we we imagine people as uh, who they could be in the future rather than who they are now. So you sort of yeah, project of this entire fantasy onto them mm-hmm. and, and who they're going to become. And I just kind of exhausted myself molding people into the kind of love that I was missing from myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time mm-hmm. and uh and and you know what there is a point also just in general where the drama and the chaos it just it just gets old gets exhausting it, it has no allure anymore yeah for sure no that's good because some people stay addicted to drama and chaos their whole life you know i mean for me the drama and chaos stopped when i quit drinking that was like i mean i wouldn't say that it it stopped immediately you know but it slowly lost its lure for me by quitting alcohol. That's what I had to do. And that wasn't until I was 34. I was like a fucking crazy train wreck until then, you know? Um, and so I think it, it, 
it's great that you're at that place because like I said, I mean, when you get older, you'll see like you're still young as far as like you're looking around at all your friends and who they are now, you know, fast forward 15 years, like, you know, you're going to see a lot of people have, that have stayed in the same place, a lot of people that have grown and changed, you know, or and just like I said, a lot of people that haven't. Right. And uh, and that's the, the saddest thing. Because I do believe like life is all about sort of having issues, problems, working through them, growing, learning things, changing, moving on, right, to the next thing. And it's great that yeah. you've done so much of that already at such a young age, right? Because I'm telling you, I promise you that some of your friends 10 years from now will still be in the same fucking place, you know? And you have uh, been moving on. You know, you'll probably be in a, five different places till then because that's more your personality type, which I think is great. Yeah, and no, I think also you. One thing you will notice is the people that didn't grow, which you're kind of alluding to, is yeah. uh, you can if you stay around them too long and too close in their orbit, you can come become collateral damage in their pain. Mm-hmm. And I really, that's what I, I really have that sense now because of therapy. Is like in the summer, I had a friend of mine who frankly, it was just, it's just a mass spiraling out of control, but I love yeah. the guy, right? Like I yeah. was friends with him. I, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of like, you know what? This is your life. These are your choices. I still love you as a person. Yeah. But then because of his pain did something really shitty to me. And mm-hmm. that was the point where I said, okay, now this is spilling over into my life. Yeah. And course. now I get to say I'm out. Yeah. Because what's going to, what you do. Yeah. Cause a lot of times really hurt people like that. can't help, but put their stuff on you right because that person might be jealous you know like all that kind of stuff goes on and then toxic fucking relationships because I, I, I do find I always had toxic relationships and I had toxic friendships right I mean I, I think a lot of times you, you it goes hand in hand right the people that are attracting toxic relationships or having working out their issues are also doing it with friendships too um, and you know, the, I think it's great that you have gotten to the place in your life where you have said no thanks to some of the patterns in your life. I do think that whole pattern of having the guys who are in the closet was 100% related to your father and working that out and what happened with him, because that's a major thing that had to have stuck with you. Right. And in so many different ways and that was your way. And I think, you know, and then other trauma works itself out with the relation with friendships too. You know, if you're attracted to the, the stories and everything, that same part of you, you know, these drama friends have some good stories, right. <laughs> and take you on that yeah. little ride with them. Right. And it could get fine until they start d- dumping too much on you. Right. That you have to learn boundaries. And I think that that could be hard sometimes, you know, yeah, I think I'm there now. I mean, I, I really grew up a lot. I mean, not even reading my own book, I'm doing the audio book now. I'm just like, who is this person? Yeah. God, he's, a, he's, he's very, um, I mean, it's kind of nice because I have this time capsule, right? It's same with the old podcast and the book. It's the one thing is you have the time capsule and then you have this reference point to see how far you've grown and come Yeah. Uh, from that period. And, and that's where I'm at right now. It's just sort of, uh, you come out the other side and you're like, God, I don't even recognize myself in a way. I, I just really, I don't even know these patterns anymore. And that's the sign where you're, but you've that's overcome great. the obstacles. And that's yeah. why, because I, I mean, I have changed so much in my life at like, and morphed into so many, like, so many times and been through really big major changes and so I believe that people can change you know but there's so many people out there that think people don't change but I think people can and 
do. And I think that that's what life is about. And I think as long as you're fucking alive, like that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, but a lot of people don't see it that way. You know, I have a book. I did a book. I did a book. It's a cartoon book. It's a graphic novel. And it's literally from my losing my virginity story, which is off the charts. Not one person in the whole world has it to turning 40 and every horrible relationship that happened in between, you know, and, you know, it's it was very because I'm a talk. I'm not a writer. Writing was a very hard thing for me, right? Because it's like a, you know, my mind is three pages behind my brain. You know, you know, my mind is three pages ahead of my writing. You know, I can't fucking stand writing, but I did this and it was a very good thing for me to do at the time because it did, it was a different sort of way of thinking about things and putting it all out and releasing it, you know, and I do think that there's therapy in that, right? And, you know, I think that it's, Good, but I think it's you. You shouldn't really be able to look back at yourself and be like, "Oh, I'm exactly the fucking same." How lame is that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. seriously, it's hindsight. It's it's very hindsight is powerful. I mean, I think people don't realize it's like hindsight shows you how far you've come. Yeah, uh, and it's really one of the best tools that we have because it shows you how far you can grow from there even more. And so that's one of the the themes. Just like. It's it's a nice thing. I mean, but you know, at the end of the day, I will always say I I love, I do love, I will always love kind of damaged people because give me like I don't like banal conversations. I don't like boring people. I don't mm-hmm. like having conversations. The messed up people, they're fun to be around. Addicts are fun to be around. I mean, it gives life a little bit of spice. But then the question is, how much are you going to take, and how fun? is it at, at some point right right of course and addicts listen I mean it depends on where you're talking to them are you talking to them you know before or after they quit because a lot of people will think you know I'm a non-drinker right since I'm 34 and I would meet a lot of people especially early on when I quit like I don't know just sort of giving me the vibes that they think it's like I'm fucking boring because I don't drink you know or a lot of people think that you know it's just like a funny thing to say or think but I'm like do you actually like you know who addicts are they're the funnest fucking people in the room you know what I mean you go to an AA meeting or any and I don't even do that anymore I don't do I don't work a program I just don't fucking drink but I'm telling you like people who don't drink and that came to the other side they're still that fun fucking person right like they took things to the edge and then came back I mean they're not dull people like that's who addicts are they're interesting crazy amazing people even without the stuff you know it's like to me they're more interesting than the people that could drink moderate like who the fuck cares like my friends that would be able to drink regularly I'd be like I just always thought they were so boring you know I didn't but I mean they're not boring but yeah, yeah no they're fine you know that's normal people but I'm just saying like addicts aren't you know, quote unquote, messed up, like maybe that when they're in their addiction. Yeah. But when they're on the other side, like they're still fucking fascinating people. And I just think most people, I mean, my whole premise of my show, and then we'll get back to your show and you're going to pitch all your stuff again before we wrap up. But like my whole premise is that like, you know, most people, you know, I get on the show with a total stranger. I don't do any intel on somebody. I don't I, I don't know where the conversation's going. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what someone's going to take me, tell me, but I'm curious and I just ask questions as I go and that's what comes about. But I really feel like if you talk to somebody enough for a, a long enough time, you'll find that most people are fascinating. Most people are quote unquote damaged in one way or the other. Like who doesn't have fucking shit put on them? It wouldn't be normal. There would be no reason to come to this earth and be born and live a fucking life if you weren't going to have some shit to work through you know so everybody has it everybody's 
kind of messed up. People are better at hiding it, I'm telling you, you know, than others. Um, Some people are acting it out and letting it all out on the surface like you are. Some people are fucking keeping it all locked inside and it's they don't show one fucking bit of it. But it doesn't mean that they they don't have it going on. Everybody's going to have a little bit of messiness in their life. But that's normal. And I think that that's okay. And that doesn't mean you're wrong or bad or flawed, I think, you know, and I, but I do think a lot of people think that and that's why people keep it all to themselves. And what we're both doing in our podcast is letting people let their freak flag fly and be real and be human beings. And, and, and there's no judgment to that because to me, I don't judge one person that calls into my show because I'm just like, these are regular people that are having, and this is real life shit that happens. I don't care what you think. You, This is it, you know, and people aren't telling you because you'd fucking judge them, but it's still the truth. It doesn't take away from the stuff that's actually happening. So let's get back to your podcast so people could go check it out because I feel like the people that love listening to the people who call my show are going to love your show as well, right? And so it's unmentionable, right? Can they get it everywhere? Like give your pitch so that people could go find yeah, your stuff. Yeah, so- it's on all podcast players, and then uh, we drop a full hour uh, episode on YouTube. Um, it's it's we got a really nice studio, so it's uh, you can, some people just put on their TV and watch it on YouTube. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, but mm-hmm. if you go on, yeah, if you go on at J Power Comedy, you'll see all clips from the show and kind of guess and and my vibe uh, just with my comedy. It, it's a fun it's a fun time, and honestly, right now everyone needs it. Yeah, for sure. I'll include all the links. I'll include a link to Unmentionable. I'll include, I think people would like to hear those stories that you mentioned on your other podcast too. I could include a link to that if you want. Um, Where can they find you on social media and your website? Did you give your website? I'll give that too as well. I don't have a website, but at J Power Comedy on Twitter or Instagram, you Uh you can find me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, J Power is J A Y P O W E R. But like I said, I'm going to give those plugs in the you know in the description as well, and people could find you, listen to your show, and uh, thanks so much for calling in and telling me all your stories. Yeah, people, so all much. people also could buy your books. Remember that, right? You go to Famous the, Anus, Famous Anus, Amazon on Amazon, and then wait for the therapist that bought you news. When is that one coming out? Probably a week from June. Oh, okay. So, so 12 so, months from June. Yes, people, like, like I said, because of podcast people, that'll be here in no time, and people will be listening to this, you know, whenever. So if you're listening to this after June, it's already available. Go look for it. If not, it'll be out in June. All right, take care. Bye. All right, bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.